Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we're going to go to the word of the Lord this morning. The book of Exodus chapter 27. Amen. Great to see everybody here this morning. Amen. Great to see back uh, some returning guests and visitors in the house of the Lord. Amen. And, uh, we're thankful for the work that God is doing here in Lathra. Amen. Amen. God is, this is God's church. Amen. Amen. It's not my church, although we do have to take responsibility for it. Amen. And work. Uh, but it is God's church. Amen. And he told the apostle Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Whatever you're facing or battling today, amen, if you if you get on God's side, amen, you can overcome. Amen. The book of Exodus chapter 27 and verse number 1, and it reads, And thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with brass. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes. And his shovels and his basins and his flesh hooks and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. Amen. And thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass. And upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings in the four corners thereof. And thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath it, beneath, that the net may be even to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves for the altar, staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with brass. And the staves shall be put into the rings, and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar to bear it. Hollow with boards shalt thou make it as it was showed thee in the mount. So shall they make it. And just for a few moments this morning, I want to talk about the altar of surrender. The altar of surrender. If you could set your Bibles down, I'd like us to pray and ask the Lord to anoint us and to talk to us. Amen. Why don't we lift our hands and our voices to him. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into the house of God. On Sunday morning, Lord, and be able to lift up holy hands to God. We're praying today, God, that you would speak to us. We're praying, God, for a word of revelation, a word of understanding, a word of direction today for your people, God. I pray, Lord, you would give us anointed revelation, God. Help us to go forward with understanding, God. Strengthen your people today and will not fail to give you glory and honor. Everyone say in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. The altar that we're reading about in the book of Exodus chapter 27. This is an instrument, a piece of furniture, if you will, that was there in the tabernacle, that place where God chose to dwell. And it was one of the, uh, the first things that you had to go through. And you, had to, uh, you had to deal with the altar uh, the burnt, the altar of burnt offering, the brazen altar. Uh, and this is letting us know different things that are in the word of God, which we'll get to in a few moments. 
But the altar was the first piece of furniture inside the gate of the courtyard for the tabernacle. The altar was made, as the Bible says, of wood, shit and wood, overlaid with brass. Amen. The wood signifying humanity and the brass signifying the need for some the daily use. And that brass was to be that uh, very durable agent that which you can handle. All of the things that you handle on a daily basis were, were, were overlaid with brass. Uh, and then it lets us to know that the altar should be something that we have a daily interaction with. It should be something that humanity daily comes before God and allows God to, uh, to take our sacrifice that we give to Him. We know from the scriptures that the altar was seven and a half feet square and had a horn on each of the four corners of the altar. The horns was there to signify the power that was resident in the altar of burnt offering. And furthermore, the horns on each corner of the altar were there uh, for the tying down of sacrifices. Uh, we know from studying the Word of God that they would offer up live sacrifices, live animal sacrifices. And this is something that they did under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. They would offer an animal sacrifice and it was alive. It was something that they tied to the four corners to hold it in place. And we can fast forward, if you will, to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 when the writer of Romans says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But the altar... Uh, the altar, uh, without this, with this altar, the rest of the worship in the tabernacle would have been in vain. For the worship of the priest would not have been accepted if they had not first come with the blood from this altar. They had to go through the altar and burnt offering if you were to go anywhere in God. If they were to go to the holy place and, and experience all that God had for them, they had to first come to an altar of surrender. And I want to remind the church today on this Sunday morning that first off, you've got to surrender your life to God. There's got to be that surrender of your life to God where you say, God, here is my life, God. I'm laying it down upon an altar. And that must be the first place. We know that in the Word of God as repentance. We come before God and God is asking. God is requiring. He's commanding. Repent ye therefore. Repent. Amen. Turn about from your ways. Amen. Make a new choice, a new direction in your life. The altar was the place where the priests offered the sacrifices for the sins of the people. The sin or the missing of the mark, amen, that the people of God uh, did along the way, amen. All have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. All have missed the mark, amen, the trajectory that God had in place for our lives, Amen. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And in sin did our mother conceive us. And so it was the intention of God. It was the plan of God that we would have a certain trajectory to hit the mark. To reach the prize that God had set before us. But because we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity, the arrow of our lives, if you will, was bent. It was leaning to the other direction. And we could not make it to God. We could not make the mark that God had 
in place for our lives. And so repentance begins to correct the direction of the error of our lives. And repentance begins to say, amen, sin had me going one direction, but now I'm going to... I'm going to make a change of mind, a change of heart, and I'm going to allow the arrow of my life to be straightened out that I might hit the mark that God has for me. We can stop and talk about, amen, how that arrow, as it were, bent because of the sin in our lives and repentance begins to correct it. But without the uh, without the infill of the Holy Ghost, there's no power, amen, still for the arrow of our lives to reach the mark that God has. Amen. It's the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It's the power of God that we preach about on a daily, on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. That if you keep the Holy Ghost resident in your life, amen, that arrow that is tended to be bent, to, to miss the mark, to go a different direction with the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That arrow can stay on course and can hit the mark and can one day make it, to, amen, to heaven. But it's at the altar, it's at the altar, it's at the altar where we are, amen, we, where there's repentance that has, to, that has to take place. The altar here is also a symbol of the cross of Christ, where the real offering was made for the sins of the world. When the priest would offer a sacrifice to the Lord, amen, the people had the responsibility to bring that sacrifice to God. The priests were not offering their own animals unto God, but it was the people that said, Here, here, priest, here's my sacrifice. I've taken the best of what I have. I've taken, I've taken the most prized possession, the, the most spotless lamb, the most beautiful uh, sheep or ox or goat or whatever. I've, I've, I've looked throughout all of the cattle that I have, and here's the best that I can offer. And it's the same way today. When God is asking of us to sacrifice or to surrender, God is asking for your very best. God's not asking for, for a second place. God's not asking for a second best. God's not asking for uh, for that which is, uh, if you will, left over after you allowed everything else to take the place of God in your life. And now you're giving to God leftovers. That's why when we come to the house of God. Amen. We dress our best. We we get ready. We we come rested up and we say, God, I'm going to give you a sacrifice that's worthy of the King of kings and Lord of lords. The altar is a place, amen, where we are given of our best to God. We're saying, I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to prepare the best that I can give to the Lord. I'm not going to offer it to God leftovers. I'm not just going to come to church any old way, sloppy agape. But I'm going to, I'm going to prepare something. And that, that can be seen throughout every part of this service. Amen. Even as it is relates to an offering. Amen. You prepare an offering. You prepare your tithing. I'm going to give unto the Lord. God's been good to me. I'm not just going to say, oh, all I've got in my pocket is X amount. But no, before I come to church, I'm going to designate in my heart. I'm going to give an offering to God. I'm going to give Him my best, everything that I can. The altar is a place of surrender. It's a place of giving our best to God. Amen. If you were to give an animal sacrifice to the priest, and they were to look at that and say, man, this thing is all messed up. This thing's all mangled. This thing is, what, what, what kind of offering is this? They would say, why don't you scour your cattle, scour the herds, and, and look for the very best. Look for the most 
perfect animal sacrifice. That's what you need to give to God. And it should be the same way in our lives. That we look through our lives and say, what's the best that I can give to God? What's the what's the greatest talent that I have available that I can give to God? What's the, what's the thing that God has blessed me with that I can give back to Him? If God's blessed you with singing ability, if God's blessed you with instrument ability, if God's blessed you with just a beautiful smile to be a greeter, whatever it would be, God, whatever is the best that I have, I want to give that to you, God. I want to prepare this offering. I want to give an offering to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The the altar, a symbol of the sacrifice that Jesus made for our lives. Here is Jesus Christ portrayed in His death which is the first component of the gospel message to one. No one could enter the tabernacle without first going through the altar. And just like the Old Testament instructed the priest to build the altar according to the exact specifications and patterns, amen, just like there was instructed to, to, to the exact specifications and the exact pattern, amen, this is set for us as a pattern to follow. Amen. The Word of God is not there for an FYI, it's a good to know kind of thing, but the Word of God is placed. The Old Testament is just as valuable as the New Testament, and it's all there for our learning that we might know how to approach the throne of God. It's the Old Testament where we see the altar of sacrifice, and we learn, oh, I've got to give Him my best. I've got to sacrifice unto the Lord. I've got to worship Him. I've got to build an altar before the Lord. I've got to say yes to God in every area of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We mentioned a moment ago about repentance, the component in the tabernacle plan for the brazen altar, the altar of burnt offering is fulfilled when we repent. Amen. Repentance is the first thing that we do when we wish to find God. If you're here tonight and you haven't felt God the way that you you know that you, there is a, a available to you, amen, the first thing you've got to do as you're approaching the throne of God is begin to repent of your sins. Repentance is not just a, a sorrowful feeling for the past actions of your life, but repentance, it, it goes a step beyond that. Repentance is something that you say, I'm going to do, I'm going to do about a 180 degree turn and I'm going to stop going this way and I'm going to go that way. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to give all. I'm going to give myself over to the things of God. Before we come to God, Amen. We're doing our own thing. We're going our own direction. We're trying to figure it out as we go. We're trying to ask for different people's opinion how to do this and how to do that. But without the intervention of God, without the help of God, we're just making our own way. We're, we're, there's a groping in the darkness. We're trying to find our way. We're stumbling through life when there is a plan that God has in store for us when we repent. But not just repentance as a one-time thing. I think that a lot of times in the church we can... We can very easily mistake repentance for a one-time thing and think repentance is something you do as a sinner coming to God. And you say, God, I'm going to go a different direction. But repentance, I believe, is a daily thing. Repentance, I believe, is something that daily you come before God. And you say, God, I'm going to put my my desires, my, my vain ambitions and my goals. I'm going to lay them on the altar that I might do the will of God. Repentance is putting your old self 
going to give myself to you. I'm going to give myself to you. Somebody once said that living for God is one big yes in the beginning. Followed by subsequent daily yeses to God. In other words, that first big yes is, yes, I'll surrender my life to Him. Yes, I'll give my heart to Him. Yes, I'll I'll live for Him. And then Monday happens. And God says, make time for prayer. Yes, I'll do that. And the Spirit of God speaks to you in praying, have you read your Bible today? Yes, I'll read my Bible. And the Spirit of God speaks to you, have you told somebody about my goodness? Yes, I'll, I'll testify. And it's an everyday, daily repentance. When, when the flesh wants to rise up inside of you and do your own thing and go back to the old familiar ways of living. Amen. It's that repentance that says, I'm going to sacrifice my will on the altar before God. I'm going to worship Him. I, I'm going to lay my life down on an altar before God that He might take my sacrifice. So the altar is not just sorrowful feelings. The altar is not just sorrowful feelings for what we've done, but it is a complete death to self. The altar is a complete dying out to self. The altar is a place where you, amen, you kill off the old man. The old ways in which you did things before Christ, amen, are laid on an altar. Amen, it's tied down to the four horns of the altar, and you're surrendering your life to God. God, here I am. I'm tying myself down to an altar. I'm being crucified with Christ. I'm laying it down. The symbolism of the horns of the altar. The horns symbolize power. The horns on the altar show that until one repents and his will is sacrificed before God, he he or she can never experience power with God. The horn symbolizing power. There's power in your sacrifice. There's power in your surrender. As you come to an altar and you say, God, I'm relinquishing my power, my will. I'm relinquishing my my goals and my ambitions. I'm relinquishing it to you. What happens in that that, that moment of time? Amen. What happens in that moment of time is as you relinquish power before God. Amen. God induce you with power from on high. And because, amen, at an altar of repentance, you laid down your life. And you said, God, help me. God, I'm surrendering. God says, I'm going to take that sacrifice. I'm going to take that offering. And I'm going to give you power to overcome, amen, the things that trip you up. The alcoholic habits. The drug abusing habits. Amen. The promiscuous habits. All of the things of the world, of the flesh, and that which is not of ultimate concern. God helps you and there's power you experience. Romans 12 and 1, we said it a moment ago. The writer of Romans says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they had the horns of the altar. But in the New Testament, the Word of God says, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What does that look like? The story is told in the Old Testament about Abraham and Isaac, where God told Abraham, I want you to go up to the mountains of Moriah 
and offer up your son, your only son, for a burnt sacrifice. I want you to go and worship me in the mountains of Moriah. You didn't give him specific instructions. Just, just go worship in Moriah. And the Bible says that Abraham and Isaac, and I believe it was just a servant, they went, they went to the mountain, and the, just those three went up to the top of the mountains of Moriah. And Isaac and the servant began to build the altar. They began to put the altar together. They began to build the altar. It wasn't Abraham that built the altar for them. It was Isaac and the servant that built the altar. There are some things that we're talking about today that I cannot build your altar. Amen. As as a pastor of this church, I cannot build an altar for you on Tuesday afternoon. I cannot build an altar for you on Wednesday morning. Amen. But it has to be you and your family individually that go to a higher place in God and decide I'm going to build an altar before the Lord. I'm going to erect a place of worship. Amen. Wherever I am, wherever I am, wherever I go, I'm going to erect a place of worship. And I'm going to worship Him. And I'm going to give Him praise. And I want to tell you today, wherever life takes you, amen, make sure that you're offering a sacrifice and worship to God. And it must be you that builds that altar. It must be you. Maybe it's a mom or a dad or a single parent in a home. Amen. That throughout the course of the week, the Holy Ghost speaks to you and says, build an altar. Get into your prayer closet before God and begin to offer up worship. Begin to offer up praise to God. You've got to do it. You've got to build the altar. You, amen, have to build the altar before God. And the Bible says that after the altar was built in this particular passage of Scripture, Isaac looked to his father as if to find out the rest of the story. Because I'm sure the whole time Isaac was thinking, man, I packed those bags for my dad. I, I, I loaded that wagon. I loaded that donkey, camel, whatever it was. I did not see any sacrifice, man. He's pulling a trick on me. He's playing games. Maybe it's a surprise something. But the Bible says that as they got to the top of the mountain and Isaac and the servant built the altar, amen, that uh, Isaac at that point when the altar was complete, he looked to his father and he said, where is the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide himself the sacrifice. And then through the process of time and conversation, uh, Isaac soon found out that I need to be the one to get up on that altar. Abraham said, God instructed me to you, Isaac. I've got to offer Isaac, my only son, on this altar. And I wonder what went through the mind of Isaac there on the mountains of Moriah. I wonder what went through the mind of Isaac. He said, man, I really love God with all of my heart. I trust my dad. I trust the man of God in my life. And he said that God spoke to him about me to get up on that altar. You talk about obedience to the voice of God. It still takes obedience to the voice of God. Even at your own peril sometimes. Or what may appear to be your own peril. What may appear to be, man, why would he instruct me to do that? That's self-destructive. 
Why would the preacher tell me, amen, that I've got to do X, Y, and Z? That's self-destructive. Why would the preacher tell me that I've got to give 10% of my of my income as tithing to the Lord? Doesn't he know that I'm on a limited income? We could get down to right where we're living today. Why, why would the preacher tell me that I, I've got to do, I've got to show up on outreach, I've got to show up on prayer meeting night, and my time is limited. It seems to be at your own peril. Amen. But when the man of God speaks, when Abraham said, Isaac, I want you to get on that altar, Isaac. Isaac, I want you to lay down on that altar. It was of Isaac's own will because the Bible says that he laid upon the altar. Amen. As a living sacrifice. And I'm going to tell you today, that's what God wants. God doesn't want it to be that we got to be tied down to the horns of the altar. But God wills it that you lay down your life voluntarily. God wills it that you lay down your life and say, I'm going to give. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to sacrifice myself on an altar before God. Hallelujah. I want us to lift our hands and I want us to talk to God for a few moments here today. Lord, I lift you up today, God. God, I praise you. I worship you, Lord. I magnify you. God, I give you glory and honor today. Hallelujah. I give you praise and worship today. Hallelujah. 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 Sometimes, amen, the laying down upon an altar looks like you. Not finding time to pray, but you making time to pray. Right. Amen. Would yes. you would you make time to pray in the course of a very busy day and probably a very busy week? It is a sacrifice before God. It is you laying down on an altar and saying, God, you don't have to beat me up. You ain't got to chastise me. Here I am, God, on this altar. Here's an hour of my time. Here's 30 minutes of my time. Here's some time I'm going to read the Word of God and I'm going to sacrifice before Him. I'm going to sacrifice before Him. How many know that Jesus does not ask us things that He does not already or has done Himself? Things that God asks of us, He first did it Himself. You say, well, show me, prove it to me. The book of Matthew chapter 26 and verse 53. Jesus said as he was getting ready to be crucified. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. At any moment through the passion of Christ, at any moment in that crucifixion period, God could have just simply spoken the word. And the Bible says that 12 legions, amen, the number is debatable about how what, how much is in a legion. Uh, some have said it's 5,000. You could have as many 70 or 80,000 angels, according to one commentator. 70 or 1,000 or 80,000 angels come down at a moment's notice and wreck the whole party in the plan of hell to destroy Christ. Amen. God could have spoken at any time. It was, amen, him as a lamb laying down his life. Amen. That you and I might come to church on Sunday morning and might worship him without condemnation. And we might worship him with liberty. He laid down his life. He made the ultimate sacrifice. 
He does not ask of you, amen, what he does not do himself, amen, but he laid down his life on the cross. There, the Bible is full of, of stories about people that built altars before God. Amen. I'm going to tell you, Abraham, we talked about a moment ago, the father of the faithful built altars before God. He worshipped God everywhere that he went. If Abraham went to a new place, if he moved from one city to another, amen, it was in that new city, Sister Kim, that he built a new, a fresh altar. I'm going to worship God where I am today. I'm going to worship God wherever I go. Amen. That's why in the Word of God in Exodus chapter 27, amen, they had to have staves. Amen. It was something that enabled the people to lift up that altar to carry it. So wherever they would go, they would be able to worship God. They would be able to sacrifice. Wherever you go, you should go sacrificing and worshiping before the Lord. Hallelujah. Moses, Moses built an altar before God. And he called it, according to the word of God, Jehovah Nissi. God my banner. It was at that altar of surrender. It was at that altar of surrender of Moses' life that he found God to be a banner over him. He found God to be a protector in his life. Amen. There's revelations and there's things that we experience as we build altars before God. Amen. You may uh, be feeling like the enemy's coming against you from every which direction. Amen. You may feel like you're just being defeated and beat down. Amen. Why don't you try building an altar and discovering Jehovah Nissi, the God my banner, my protector. Amen. The Bible says in Song of Solomon, his banner over me was love. Amen. There's divine protection when you're worshiping God. At an altar, something happens when you build an altar before God. The altars we build will be remembered for generations to come. How many times in the Word of God did God instruct the people to build an altar? And when the next generations come along, Sister Dee, they're going to ask, what meaneth this, the Bible says? What meaneth this? Oh, this is where God delivered us from the Egyptian taskmasters. Oh, this is where God split the Red Sea. This is, uh, it was on the banks of the Red Sea, amen, that God said, build an altar right there, Moses, because when, when you're, the next generations come by that way, and they're going to see an altar, and they're going to ask, what meaneth this altar? And you're going to tell them, this is where God delivered us from Egypt. This is where God delivered us from sin. This is where God delivered us from slavery. And it's at your altar that you build today that I believe the next generation comes along and the, and the, and the baby girl that was once a baby girl now is a, a young lady says, Dad, why do, you, why do you offer sacrifices to God? Well, this is because a long time ago God delivered me. This is because a long time ago God set me free and God delivered me from all the things that I have struggled with. Amen. What needed this? Brother Cedric, why are you coming to church and worship God on Sunday morning? I'm building an altar. And one day the kids are going to come and say, why do you sacrifice? Because you don't know what life was like before I found God. You don't know what it was like before I came to church. So I build me an altar so that the next generation can see and know that there's a God that delivers from alcohol. There's a God that delivers from drugs. There's a God that delivers from a broken heart and broken marriages. There's a God that delivers 
There's a God that sets free. Why do you build an altar, Brother Paul? Why do you come and worship God the way you do? Why are you building an altar? Amen. You don't know my story. You don't know my testimony. I was almost lost. I was almost without God. And God delivered me. And God began to put a hedge of protection about me. And I discovered Jehovah Nissi, my banner, my protector. And so I built an altar. Gideon built an altar and called it Jehovah Shalom, which is peace. It's at an altar of surrender that you discover real peace. It's at an altar years ago where my father came to an altar and said, I'm going to just surrender. And all of the different struggles that, be, that were happening in his life. The struggle to go out and to, and to fool around and sin some more. The struggle to do this and to go back to the old ways. And he laid it on an altar and said, God, it's your will over my will. God, it's your ways over my ways. And now that uh, internal struggle uh, to go back to the old ways, he laid it down. And God began to give him peace because he didn't have to worry about the, the things that were happening at the local disco. He wasn't have to worry about the things happening at the local uh, the whatever establishment for sin was taking place. But now there was peace in his heart because he was at an altar that he said, I'm giving it all to God. I'm surrendering everything to Him. I'm not going to try and do my own thing anymore. I'm going to surrender my all before Him. David built many altars before God. And we know David as a man after God's own heart. The scriptures are full of store of people, individuals, great people that built altars before God. And nobody in the word of God that was ever great, amen, was somebody that didn't build altars. If you want to be great, if you want to allow God's will to be done in your life, there's got to be that daily building of an altar, sacrificing. I'm giving myself. I'm laying down my self-will. That's why the altar was placed at the entrance of the tabernacle. Because if you couldn't get that down, you weren't going to make it through. You weren't going to make it through because there had to be self-will that died on the altar. There had to be self-will that died on an altar. The way I think it ought to be, the way that uh, I've just always been taught, the traditions that were passed down, uh, they, all, all, all of those things have got to die. And I've got to get back to the Word of God. God, what is the exact pattern that I see in the Word of God? And I've heard a lot of things, a lot of hearsay in my day, a lot of other people waiting on how things ought to be done. But God, what does the Word of God say? In Exodus 27, amen, it gives us specific instructions for building an altar. And how about Elijah's altar on the top of Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18? Verse 30 says, Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Before the fire could ever fall on the sacrifice, Elijah had to repair an altar. Before the fire of God, the Holy Ghost could ever fall. Amen. On that sacrifice on the top of Mount Carmel. Amen. There had to be a building, a rebuilding of an altar. God, I'm going to repent again. I'm going to surrender my will again. 
There had to be a building of the altar. The altar of surrender before God. I'm going to preach even though, amen, it may not be popular in 2018. You've got to surrender everything to God. You've got to surrender every part of your life. This church will never be a place where you can just come, amen, and just sort of do a halfway surrender, amen, and live the rest of the the week the way that you want to live. Amen, you're not going to fit in. But if you come to the house of God and say, God, I'm going to give all, I'm going to surrender, amen, you'll find that you're amongst people of like precious faith, of brethren. But it was Elijah that had to first repair an altar so that the fire could fall. There's a phrase, Brother Jason, you probably heard it. I think it's used by a lot of liberal organizations. Hands up, don't shoot. Hands up, don't shoot. You're faced with law enforcement. Hands up, don't shoot. So as long as you have your hands up, you can use your body to do whatever you want. And it's not really complete surrender. But there is a surrender that God's looking for in this house today. For somebody or some people to make their way to where God is and say, God, I'm going to surrender. I'm throwing my hands in the air, God. I'm going to lay my life at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to lay my life on the altar. I'm going to put my life down before the Lord. We're here this morning and we have surrendered our Sunday morning. A beautiful time of the week. A wonderful time of the week. If I didn't go to church Sunday mornings, I could probably take weekend trips all the time. I could take off on Friday night, come back Sunday evening, taking vacation after vacation. I could do a lot of wonderful things. I could go up to Lake Tahoe find me a beautiful spot there and ride bikes in the summertime and snowboard during the wintertime. I could take a lot of wonderful weekend trips, but I surrendered my Sunday mornings to God a long time ago. And I said, God, every Sunday morning for the rest of my life, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to give that to you, God. I surrendered to him my Sunday mornings, which meant my weekends were oftentimes broken up. And I couldn't take all the wonderful trips and everybody else. You know, you go to, uh, you're at work and your coworkers say, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to be in church again every Sunday morning like I was last week and the week before that. But I'll probably try and get out on Saturday. And they're like, well, I'm going to be going blah, blah, blah. Like, Man, must be nice. But I surrendered to him. My Sunday mornings. In fact, I, I surrendered to him my Wednesday evenings for the midweek service. Life gets busy during the week. We all know that. Life gets real busy during the week. If you got, I, I've only heard stories sometimes. Uh, parents with a lot of kids, they're taking the kids to soccer practice and basketball practice and blah, 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 all the different things. And it's busy. And I've seen it before with uh, when both of us were working, my wife and I, and uh, you during the week, uh, 
you, you get home hopefully at 5.30 or 6. You got to be at church by 7.30. So you change your clothes really fast and you, you make a meal. And sometimes you eat it on the road. How many times do we take sandwiches to church on the way to church? Several, many, many times. Sandwiches on the way to church. We're going to be there on time. But we're going to have dinner too. But we're going to be there. And Wednesday nights was a sacrifice. Many times, well, for a while there, I lived in Fremont, and I uh, commuted to uh, San Francisco for work. And I've told you guys before, but I would hop on the, I would drive my car to the bar station and park into the city. And church was in San Jose, so I would hop on, I'd go across the street from my job, hop on a bus to hit, hop on the, hop on the ACE train to meet somebody else in Santa Clara to drive me to church. But I did it. I sacrifice. And I was faithful. And God honors that. No matter how hard it is to lay yourself on an altar sometimes. Sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it goes against your will. Sometimes it goes against what you want to do in your flesh. Well, I want to do this. And God says, just lay down on an altar and surrender. And what happens through the years, my prayer is that this little one will grow up and say, Dad, why do we Make these sacrifices. Why do we go to church? Why do we pray? Why do, why do we do these things, Dad? And I'm going to say, well, you don't know the story. But let me tell you. One day, your grandpa and your grandma were lost without God. They were on their way to devil's hell. They were lost without God. God saved them. One day, your father, amen, was, was on the verge of backsliding. was on the verge of uh, giving, over, giving himself over to sin. And God had mercy on him. God saved him. There's a sacrifice. There's a story behind every sacrifice. There's a story behind every altar. And so we surrender our Sunday mornings, our Wednesday evenings, but God also wants surrender every day of our lives in the little things. In the little things in our lives. And God says, make, a, make time to pray. Get your Bible out. Dust it off. Yes. Open it up. Read it. Jesus. So well, I haven't got caught up on Instagram yet. I, I haven't read the Dredge Report yet. I, I'm a little bit behind. Pick up the Bible. Make a sacrifice. Every area of our lives should be surrendered before God as we stand and the musicians come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This area of surrender, this altar, must be dealt with in every man and woman's life. In order for God to have his way in your life, you have to reach a point where you say, I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to do it myself. Maybe it's a Monday evening or a Tuesday morning or whatever time of the week. And God says, build an altar. You say, well, I'm at work. And God says, build an altar. So it may take the form of you finding your way to your car and praying in your car or going for a walk and praying because I'm going to make sure that I'm building an altar before God. I'm going to make sure that God, my life is surrendered before God. Jeremiah chapter 38 as we close in verse 19 in the New King James Version and Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and they abuse me. 
But Jeremiah said, They shall not deliver you. Please obey the voice of the Lord which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now behold, all the women who are left in the king of Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes. In other words, in this scripture, you have a choice today to surrender to God and to obey the voice of the Lord. To obey the voice of the Lord is to surrender to God. But to disobey the voice of the Lord is to, and to refuse to surrender is to watch, amen, those people most precious, the women and the children that, that are left in the king's house, amen, they're going to be surrendered to the king of Babylon. Amen. If you and I refuse to surrender to God, we're going to watch those most precious in our lives be lost. Because it's when we surrender that the next generation takes note of the surrender. We pave the way for them. If you care about your kids, you care about your family, amen, I think it'd be good if we made our way down to an altar and said, God, I want to build an altar of sacrifice. I want to be the one to build an altar. I don't want to see my family lost. I don't want to see my kids lost. I don't want to see those around me lost. I'm going to build an altar before God. And so the truth of the matter is, you're either surrendering to God's will or to the will of Babylon, which is the world and sin. But one of these forces is going to rule in your life. I want us to lift our hands to God as we